Welcome to the Guys Drinking Tea podcast. If that sounds like a casual conversation to you, then you're absolutely right. We decided to start this podcast because, frankly, we just love talking about the scriptures and exploring how they interact with our everyday lives. These are the kind of conversations we were having in the hallway anyway every week, so we decided to turn on a camera and a microphone and let you listen in. If this content's helpful to you, then we would greatly appreciate it if you leave us a review in your podcast service, hop over on YouTube, subscribe to us there, like, comment, share with friends, all of those things. Without any further ado, let's dive into another sometimes meandering conversation about the scriptures and life. That's a Hello, everybody. Hi, how you doing? We're right. drinking PG Tips today. Um, if you are from England, then you'll know that PG Tips is the finest cheap tea you can buy. You just let the um, cat out of the bag. I was going to do this big build up. Oh, guess what tea we're drinking? <laughs> And I think we have audio. Look at that. I love it. Yes, today we are drinking uh, the beloved PG tips. Is that the right way around? No, turn it, turn it, turn it. There we go. The camera's there. Got it. And if you can't see, uh, because you're listening on podcast, which is available on Apple Podcasts, plug, cheap plug, um, then uh, there is our PG, we have a PG tips box. Um, you know what? We've, that, we've arrived. How much was that box of PG tips? I think it was like nineteen dollars. Do you know how much that box is in England? This Probably is really six dollars. No, one pound fifty for this which, whole thing. Uh huh. Which is about like it might actually no, it might be three pounds, which is about four dollars. Isn't that depressing? It so usually depressing. when I come back from England from a trip, I'll bring back like three or four boxes of the like the bigger box. This um, has. 240 tea bags mm -hmm. in it and i think you can get one that's like either i can't remember if it's 360 or 480 and i'll just shove them like because they they kind of break down i'll just crinkle them down as, as much as i can and just come back with a suitcase load of them of that of cadbury's chocolate of all the good things that we well, british people love um hey <laughs> guys stroke, hey, guys hey, stroking pg tips uh if you would like to partner with us to sponsor this show <sighs> Uh, we would be, if you, you think like they're going to see this, British voice, the chances British of PG voice? Tips yeah. seeing this and then yeah. wanting to sponsor our show, show is like 0. 0.0001% but chance. But it, it, it went up when you said PG Tips, if you're watching this. That's I true. mean, you increased the chances significantly. That's right. Because before that, there was 0. 0. 0. 0. Yeah. 0. 0.001%. All right. This show is not sponsored by PG Tips. Do PG Tips have to like the content of the show? Do they get creative control of the show if they sponsor it? Oh, man. Yeah. This gets complicated. It All right. Does, yeah, so I, I love, there's this, I, I'm a big disc golf fan. By the way, some, eventually we will talk about the Bible, maybe. Um, I'm a big disc golf fan. Mm. And uh, one of my favorites things to watch is, you know, I watch the PDGA Tour. The Did you know there's a DGA Tour. pro disc golf? You guys really just took everything about golf and just added disc to it, didn't you? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> like the rules, like it's the same sport, but with a disc instead a of a ball. a lot cheaper. Yes, a lot cheaper. Anyway, so um, before every major tournament that's that's published on the primary um, channel, they do with the a pro disc the, golf. The two commentators who are both pro players play a practice round and they're just total goofballs. And unlike the disc or unlike the golf 
pro mm-hmm. tour that's very like poised and hoity-toity and yeah. you know obnoxious Tiger Sorry. Woods. Oh. Tiger Woods on the ninth hole. He's got about 140 yards, and it's yeah, it's just idea. very like it's almost that so Bob Ross kind of sound. No, disc golf. That scene is like totally casual. They're cracking jokes all throughout the the uh, commentating and stuff like this. Anyway, so this, I, I got to get to the point because yeah, 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 you need to talk about there. the Bible. Anyway, every week during this practice round where they basically give you a course preview and play and joke about things, one of the commentators, Paul. Uliberry, he always does these like he busts out a snack and he tries to get them to sponsor him know, personally. Like it's like it. this yeah, little yeah. thing that's become part of the show. So fun. He's like, Nike, if you want to, one of the things I love about Nike shoes <laughs> is they help me to aim better yeah, at disc golf. Absolutely. Hey, by the way, Nike, do you want to? And, 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 and Nike, like, no, we actually sponsor the. PGA, not the PDGA. Yeah. It's like, like, we actually sponsor the thing that makes money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rolex are like, darn it, we're tied up into that stupid golf thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't get out and sponsor up. Anyway, hmm. we can stop talking about disc golf now. But, okay, a couple layers of this. So now do we have property? Like, I felt like it was kind of a shame that guys drinking tea, we still had never drank proper tea. Except when I made it. You made it, but even the tea bags weren't quite... Like they were just like, remember they weren't PG tips. I didn't. I thought I'd brought in. We had to bring in a screenshot of PG tips to tell you. Yeah, that's fair. And what else do we have this week? But proper milk. Proper milk, whole milk, or yeah, four percent as it's known. So we have PG tips, whole milk, Mm -hmm. and a guy from the UK made the tea. So Uh here we go. So so what what my mother would say just to give her a shout out. She's almost certainly not listening. Uh, she doesn't really do the podcast thing, but but uh, she would say it actually tastes better in a china mug. So Ooh. she would say like a china mug is the is a, is an, an addition that is just a different level. Yeah. So I, and I, this is not china. I have a oh, maybe it is actually. Huh. I have a china mug at home that I drink tea from. Um, it's got nice. owls on it. All right. Um, I'm so, gonna go quick check the focus just to be on the safe side because Alex was just a hair out of focus last week. And, um, but before that, we're going to tell you what, what's going to be on the show. You're going to get commentary on T. Uh-huh. Check. Done. Yeah. And then we're going to talk a, a about- Random aside about disc golf. Random check. aside, check. And then we're going to talk about resurrection. Ooh, save the best. Like we life. have arrived. Like this might be the pinnacle. Yeah. It's all downhill from here. Or is it? Or is it? Is it all uphill? That's actually <laughs> what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> is the resurrection, is it all downhill from here or is it actually oh, man. all uphill I from like here? It. I love it. That's the question. So um, you, so I'm going to ask you a question, then I'm going to go okay, full okay, focus yeah, yes, and just make sure we're all good to go. Okay. But here's the question. Um, what was unique about how you presented um, resurrection this week? Um, keep in mind the intro that I just gave. <laughs> Did I give something unique? <laughs> you, you did. You you, you kind of said, it's all built. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah, remember that part? Okay, you... yeah, I remember that. Okay. So, so I do think the interesting part is, so we, I think with, there's a few weird things we do in church, depending on your uh, background uh, and what kind of church you grew up in. Maybe you're new to church, all those different things. Uh, so one in lots of Protestant churches, we tend to make uh, the crucifixion the main thing. Now, that isn't something that I think that the first Christians would necessarily have, have sort of jived with. I think 
and, and even today, like, so if you go to like an Eastern church or something like that, Eastern Orthodox church, there's there's one great little encounter between an Eastern Orthodox bishop and, and N.T. Wright, the famous theologian, and, and he asks them, what does crucifixion mean? Uh, what's the purpose of the cross? And the, the Eastern bishop says, uh, nothing. It's just to get to resurrection. Like to them, resurrection is so central that the, the cross is just an avenue to Jesus' defeat of death. Whereas we tend to hold a, a lot closer to theories like substitutionary atonement, stuff like that. that. For us, in some ways in the Protestant church, the cross has almost become, I'm going to say this super carefully, or maybe not carefully, uh, almost become the obsession. Whereas resurrection is, Paul talks about resurrection as this, this incredible event that is... Um, that is also central to us now being in Christ. Yeah. So, so I think there's just this this suspicion for me that that the the death and resurrection of Jesus changes everything. But in Jesus' mind, it's like this means to an end. Um, yeah. Because talk more about because that. I think for him it's this like, oh, after death and resurrection, you get to experience life change. Like you get to experience transformation now. So there's this shift when Jesus has done his work in a way. And now over the next few weeks, we get to walk as he does this like post-resurrection experiences or appearances where he drops in on all of his followers that are all over the place. And like they they still need him. Um, one of them's about to kill himself. And, and, and that still happens because he can't forgive himself, it seems. One of them is pretty convinced he's a failure forever. Some of them have gone back to fishing. Some of them are leaving for a different town. Uh, there's all of these different stories where you're like, okay, wow, there's a load of stuff. Uh, Dan, in a few weeks, is going to talk about uh, Jesus' brother, James, who we find out later becomes a follower of Jesus after his death and resurrection. Now, if that's not some kind of proof of divinity when your brother says, I think you're God in human flesh or uh, when you're like, that's like, neither of my brothers would say that about me on any shape. Or yeah. If you need evidence like, that yeah. the resurrection is real. Yeah. Just think about the fact that Jesus's brother thinks that he's God. Yeah. When, when your brother isn't saying that guy was a complete jerk when your brother's like, Oh, that explains so much <laughs> about growing up. <laughs> now it makes sense. Um, that's awesome. That, then, uh, then, so yeah. this is actually what I loved about um, your particular um, focus on Easter this year and the series that's coming up, mm. this Eastertide series that's coming up, because we're, um, well, I'll explain what I loved about it. Just, uh, so cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, could you quick explain what is Eastertide before okay. we keep, we're going to yeah. say that word a couple times and maybe I want to make sure people know what that means. Yeah, before, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so that, that language is just, is really church calendar language. If you're not familiar with the church calendar, that's fine. But there's these, these sort of high seasons for people that probably a lot smarter than any of us thought through how we might teach people the way of Jesus years ago. So obviously you have Advent, this start of the calendar right before Christmas, it builds up. Then you have Christmas, then you have Christmas tide, which follows in, in the footsteps of Christmas. Then you have this time of ordinary time where it just kind of ticks along. It's almost like a rest season. Then you go back into Lent through to Easter. And so Easter's like the thing, Easter tide's the thing that comes after Easter. Um, so it's this follow on that leads all the way up to Pentecost, which with maybe lost focus on, I, th I think we've had this idea, especially again in the West of, oh man, 
the Holy Spirit is kind of awkward. Um, I've said a few times at South, you know, I, I often think we treat him like if you've had a wedding, uh, there's family members that you're like, I don't know what they're going to do. I have to invite them, they're family, but they can be kind of awkward to be around. I don't, they're unpredictable. Uh, and so we kind of push them back on table 37 over in the far corner um, with like just the people that we don't really want there. Um, and I, f- I feel like sad, like really sadly, I, I say it is a humorous sort of story, but really sadly, I think we do that with the Holy Spirit in, in the churches. We don't know how to interact always. Um, and so Pentecost, we hear Pentecostal, we hear some of the stuff that we grew up around. Um, I was chatting to someone the other day uh, and they said they, they grew up kind of going to church and, um, they went one day and there was this guy who was like slapping people on the foreheads and people were falling over and their parents were like, okay, no, we're out. We're done. We're, we're, we're long gone. Uh, and because of all those different associations, I think we get a little nervous about the idea of, of Pentecost, Pentecostal Holy Spirit. What will that mean for our church? It would all get a bit chaotic. Um, but, but it's actually the season that has this real value where these followers of Jesus, these first followers move from scared move from kind of given up, move from going back to my old job all the way through to people that are standing on a street full of confidence, sharing the message of Jesus and thousands of people are becoming a part of this thing. I mean, I mean, it's incredible. Like you think like Jesus is resurrected day one, still a handful of followers. Day two, still a handful of all the way up to 40 days, just a handful of people. Day 41, 3000 day 42 more thousands day whatever it just suddenly just all clicks into place yeah uh, and it's all centered around the build-up and then pentecost so um yeah so like by way of summary eastertide is the church calendar term for the continued celebration of resurrection mm-hmm. and the and the way we're sort of framing it, and I don't know is I don't know if this is classically part of the church calendar, but the way we're framing is it's the continued celebration of resurrection and the exploration of the implications of mm-hmm. resurrection. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. that's what yeah, this yeah. series and, is going to be. And, and the it's like, okay, if Jesus rose again, oh wow, okay, wow, yeah, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Mm-hmm. That's what this series, like the implications yeah. of it, and that's actually back to my what I what I loved about the way we talked about resurrection this Easter and what we're going to be talking about in this series I, I, is what you said just a bit ago, just in passing about Jesus' perspective on resurrection. Like everyone else is like, oh my goodness, a guy rose again from the mm-hmm. dead. And Jesus is like, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now there's a lot to do. <laughs> yeah, like he, he's like, you know, put your put yourself in Jesus's shoes for a second, you know, God incarnate. He's like, yeah, resurrection. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, what's really cool though is what it opens up for you. Definitely. And that's that's the thing that's so exciting. And so, like you said earlier, everyone else is freaking out because of the resurrection, mm-hmm. and we still do, and we should. Yeah. Because it's something that's so uncommon. Yes. <laughs> and, but, and but Jesus is kind of like, oh, but you just you don't even know how yeah. cool it is. And I think we go through those different progressions. Like we we know that the cross means something as people living in the Western church. That's a big deal. We kind of know resurrection means something, although I don't think we necessarily for the most part have a good framework for why Jesus needed to rise from the dead. Totally. I actually think that for most Western Christians is a real mystery. 
Like, wh why? Why resurrection? Why couldn't he just die? If it's just substitutionary atonement, if it's just paying for sins on the cross, there's no need for resurrection. Um, like, I don't think, I think if you were to, to pull a whole bunch of people out of almost any church in the West and say to them, why did Jesus have to rise again? There'd be a bit of a like, oh, I actually don't know. Um, and so again, like that language of Christus Victor, the defeat of death through the mechanism of death with all of the weirdness of that, resurrection is this demonstration of no death is now defeated. That's what we sang on Easter. Um, and now we get to move into something new, new for us and new for the whole world. Um, mm -hmm. so, so that, like that, 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 that's the spring element. And we're going to sing the song on Sunday, springtide. It's the first shoots of stuff coming out of the ground. And this is like, no life is emerging. Uh, and Jesus is gathering these followers and he's like, guess what you get to be a part of. And, and, and the, the beautiful or the humorous part is that even right up to the moment he <laughs> goes back to heaven, they still don't get it. Oh, we got to tell the story about the conference. Yeah. Yeah. We, Aaron and I were at this conference and this, <laughs> this, this guy's talking about just, you know, how, uh, how even right up until the moment that Jesus ascends, the, the disciples are throwing in questions of like, just, you know, so are you going to bring back the kingdom of Israel? Is this going to be a real thing? And he's just like, I'm just done with you guys. At yeah. this point. I'm just gone. Yeah. <laughs> just. Yeah. This preacher is like, I mean, he's, he's just like, it's one of those sort of comical yeah, hypothetical expressions yeah, yeah. of that moment. Like they're still asking these, these questions. And so he kind of poked a, a little bit of a joke and saying, maybe the reason Jesus ascended was he was just sick and tired of him. And he did this sort of thing where he was like, I'm launching. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I'm getting away from these guys. Yeah. And he did it. So <laughs> like the comedic timing was so good. And see, the funny thing is that's the second time I've seen him do that spot. And it was just as funny the second time. Yeah. It just and and fun fun fact. Oh, this is oh man. We're just we're good. We're back to our yeah. totally meandering I selves. If you came to volunteer appreciation night, there was this little moment in that play that we put on. Oh, little, yeah, there was yeah. a little skit we did where uh, Alex is pretending to teach you know uh, to teach these. Um, Visitors. Visitors stuff. And he started doing that motion. And for those, the staff who were at this conference, were going to like, ah, that's so funny. So here's the thing. I really regret, like, I really regret that I did it in the rehearsals. Because the first time I did it, Yvonne was trying to be super serious and she just she lost, just it. lost she it. just broke. And I was like, <laughs> oh, if only I'd have kept it for the night, it would have been so <laughs> much fun. Just kept it in the back pocket and just thrown it in that's there. so great. Um, just, yeah. Okay, so, um, that, so that's sort of what, in one sense, your Easter message, which we'll do a quick summary of, um, which you kind of started already yeah, to yeah, do. Which, it's good. actually the. It was sort of like the preamble to this series. Well, it, and that really started with the fact that Mark, the the biographer of Jesus, in in at least what seems like the original version, doesn't go as far as you might like him to. Oh wait. wait, wait. Seems like. All right, let's talk about that. What do you mean by seems like the original version? Let's. So it. So so again, like manuscript history of the Bible in the tenth, eleventh century, we had manuscripts from maybe the third or fourth century, and then like maybe somewhere around like the seventeen, eighteen, nineteen hundreds, they start finding these older manuscripts that track back to to as early as like. Um, you know, fragments from from really like really close that like 
20, 30 years after their ridden sort of period, like suddenly, sorry, not, not 20, 30 years, but, but like j just like 30 to a lot 60. closer. Four manuscripts from like 300 AD though, like just, just like a lot, lot closer. And so, so you start to get to see like in, in stuff like, again, yeah. throwing loads of weird yeah. language, uh, Codex Sinaiticus, Codex Alexandrius, uh, these manuscripts that are so much closer to the time frame, and, and then you get to see, oh, wait, that got added after that. Uh, and so then the tension becomes for people, like the King James version of the Bible has already been translated at that point. Do you take those things out? Do you leave them in? Uh, are they are they God's words? Again, so many questions that we, we don't really have time to get into. So what you find in a lot of modern versions of the Bible, especially if you're reading in a text Bible, is they'll they'll have chunks in italics, right? That that are like okay, yeah. and and there'll be usually a little note that says not in the original version. So so in Mark, in most versions, it will stop at verse eight of chapter sixteen and say, after this, this seems like it was added later. Doesn't mean yeah. it's not important. Doesn't mean it's not like they could have found an old text that that had it in or they could have added it from another important text could be loads of reasons but 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 there's, there's some questions and so in that version if that was the original version they kind of just leave he kind of just leaves it with oh and the women were scared and they said nothing yeah so if you're if you're not driving you could bust out your bible and you'll see some sort of most most likely your bible will have some sort of note mm -hmm. right there at that verse was it 16 it's verse 8 Eight. Yeah, verse eight. Yeah. Eight. Oh, that was a little bit deeper, but anyway. So yeah, verse so, eight. eight. Yeah, and it'll just say, um, you know, something along the lines of like most modern scholars think that these were yeah. in, in most, less reliable uh, manuscripts. Don't have less reliable manuscripts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that happens very, very infrequently. Um, yeah. But it does happen in certain little sections. And, and again, the the, some of those stories. John chapter eight, the famous story of Jesus. Um, and a woman caught in adultery where he writes in the sand is another one of those passages. And yet you read it and you get to ask questions like, does this seem consistent with Jesus that I read in all of the other places? And you say, yes, it absolutely does. And, and so, again, it's not that they're not important, but it is fascinating to, to ask why would Mark finish there? especially when he's probably writing somewhere around 60 AD or something like that. It's not like it's not a well-known fact that at the very least, the earliest followers believed Jesus had, had risen from the dead. And that, that's the fascinating thing. Like, there will be secular scholars of the Bible that will say, no, Jesus didn't rise again. Um, and they'll do that from a philosophical position of, that's not possible. We're not willing to own that kind of thing. We kind of ruled it out before. It's not particularly evidence-based. It's more just phil philosophical yeah, sort of... he didn't because that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what you'll generally find is even those guys will say, but the earliest disciples genuinely believe that he did. There's, yeah. there's almost no escaping that genuine sense for them of the, the thing makes no sense that the story doesn't make any sense outside of their belief in a physical resurrection. Yeah. Um, and so there's 500 eyewitnesses that are actually stated yeah. at least of this resurrection in those first few days and uh these scholars who don't think the resurrection happened basically say all 500 of those eyewitnesses are there's something else there's got to be something else yeah but yeah. they genuinely believed it yeah and, but and, they're but some i don't know we don't know why they believe and, it. and 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 the, the sort of like the 
the maintaining that belief through death, like through persecution, just doesn't make any sense outside yeah. of if, if this is all a charade that they put on, if they found Jesus' body, went and hid it away, and then we're like, hey guys, look, he's risen. Um, like the moment the persecution from Rome becomes what it is, the moment that the, there's like a death sentence is the moment they're like, no, 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 this never happened. Yeah. Um, the moment they're running. I, I think we, because we live in this world of like prosperity gospel and stuff, uh, see religion as like this money-making thing um, of like, yeah, like if you could claim someone rose from the dead, you'd make a fortune. Like you'd be like selling that story, you'd yeah. be YouTubing, you'd be doing all these things. Then starting another religion was a death sentence. Um, so, so there's this like, there's, there's no upside for them. Um, everything about what happens in this life is negative because of resurrection. It is a massive, if, if you're interested, interested in this life, for them, resurrection is a massively inconvenient thing. Totally, um, totally. So uh, what we were talking about in, in that early section uh, where Alex was explaining these texts and stuff. That's called textual criticism. Um, so if you've ever heard that term or if you've ever heard someone say, yeah, there's so many errors in the Bible, a lot of the times some of the things that they're talking about is things like these these manuscript issues yeah. and thing like, things like that. Uh, and it gets super complicated. It does. And, 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 and almost like it's one of those things that you almost feel like by dissecting it that much, you kind of kill the thing a little bit. It's yeah. very hard for it to breathe life. Like there's people that will go through and they'll try and figure out which sections were original. And then they'll ask questions about who was the editor that pulled all of those sections together and all those different things. The yeah. German word, if you're interested in pretentious stuff, is redaktion geschlichtig. Um, oh, wow. Which, you know, history of editorial. Uh, but but it, it just like, it's not, li there's not life in it. It's It, it kills the thing that, that really at its heartbeat is a story. Um there's like, let us tell you about what happened and what we experienced and, and why it might change everything for you too. So, so that, but, but to go back to Mark, that ending is, is fascinating. Why end there? Um, it leaves us in the tension point that those first followers found themselves in. Do I believe this? Which is kind of the question Jesus asks Mar Mary, Martha back in, in that Lazarus story. Do I believe this? Like, you know, do you believe this? It's, it's a challenging question. And then, and then importantly, like, what would it mean if I did? And what, what do you mean by believe almost? Because like, I think we read Jesus but say believe a lot. He kind of goes around to people saying believe in me and stuff. Now, this is pre-death and resurrection. I don't think at that point what he's saying is believe that I'm going to do this in the future and believe that I'm going to rise again. He's kind of vague about that at different points and, and they definitely don't get it. Really, he's almost saying, get involved in my story, make my story your story. Yeah. And that seems like, as well as the the death and resurrection part, the invitation for us. Will you make this story your own? Will you allow it to transform you? Uh, will you get involved with what my death and resurrection means for the entire world? Um, and I, I've just had this, I had a fascinating conversation earlier with Dave Rickman. Shout out to Dave Rickman. We were just talking about transformation. And isn't it fascinating, wherever you are in your faith journey, um, which could be almost anywhere, we almost have this premise, we're supposed to do what the earliest followers of Jesus did, which is share who Jesus is and what he did. Mm -hmm. Now, it's interesting, like, when you do that as a genuinely transformed person, 
that's really compelling. When you do that as a minimally transformed person, it actually isn't very compelling. Uh, and then, and then, like, the, but the, but the almost the important movement for me is like, what do I mean by transformed? Because I think we mean, I don't do certain stuff anymore. I don't smoke. I don't sleep around. I don't do all of these different things. Like we could have a, your list could be almost anything. I don't have long hair. Like it could be anything. Um, uh Oh, we're both yeah, done we're for. In trouble. Um, yet it seems like when I've met people who just started following Jesus that have been tra transformed by an experience of his love, like I know that I am loved. Um, their lives can be a mess. I've known people like that that are still selling drugs. Like I was chatting to a guy the other day that works in, uh, he, he, he helps people out of working in strip clubs in different parts of South America. And he's like, the incredible thing is most of the women working in these places are passionate followers of Jesus. They just don't see another avenue for, for providing for their families. Um, when you have experienced Jesus' love, that is the transformation that is compelling. Mm. Whereas you can sit in church for decades, copy behaviors, and not have experienced love and be completely uncompelling. Yes. Um, that, that the type of transformation that allows us to be compelling to the world around us is an experience of being loved and being able to love others, not an experience of behaving in a specific way. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Like the, yeah, a lot of people think just by way of reiteration that transformation is this, we do, we do better on the list of moral, the moral checklist. Mm -hmm. Totally. That's transformation. And that, that arbitrary model, model, that checklist as well. Like it's the moral yeah. checklist is so arbitrary. It's like, yeah. The, the, the moral checklist that someone told you about. Yeah. The, the, who who yeah. knows whether they were right or not. And right. that I've priorita prioritized on some really subjective way. Like totally. I've noticed in churches, stuff on the, in the, the sexual area is always top of our checklist for everybody. Yep. It's like fix that and, and we'll let a load of other stuff go. Yeah. I, I used to joke in the church I grew up in, if I smoked a cigar outside the building, I would never have preached in that church again. Like guaranteed, I just wouldn't have been allowed on the pulpit. Yeah. Um, in the pulpit. Behind the pulpit. We had a pulpit. Uh, <laughs> we always say things like um, people are on the doors. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They're on the doors. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's uh, a, that's a UK thing, I guess. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, I used a term. The Our other welcome day. teams, they are actually on top of the doors. On top of the doors. The other come, day, come I, check it out. I used the expression barrowing in the office and nobody knew what I meant. Including you, I was like, I was barrowing some soil, and everyone's like, "That's not a word." Um, happens to me all the time. Yeah, you're gonna have to explain that now because barrowing. I'm pretty sure that most people who are to listening barrow. have no clue what you're talking about. Even after you tried to make a the joke about verb it, to barrow, to move soil in a wheelbarrow or anything in a wheelbarrow. I there guess. you go. I mean, I mean, I think that was the first time they were like, "Oh, oh I get it now." Uh, someone, I mentioned it to someone else. They were like, <laughs> "Borrow? What am I borrowing? <laughs> no, barrowing." It happens to me a lot. So like most people think burrowing. Yes. There's barrowing, borrowing, uh -huh. and burrowing. There and... absolutely is. Anyway, okay. I would. I just had this this Jesus. this innate <laughs> sense that I, there was certain sorry certain, <laughs> certain things that I could do that would make sure I wasn't acceptable, um, and, and very arbitrary things, and in other cultures things that would be considered absolutely fine, whereas. 
whereas pride, which consumes so many of us, that could be a thing that I could hide very well. And people be like, oh, yeah, continue to do what you do. Like, no, we're not worried about that kind of thing. It's really weird when you read some of Paul, this New mm -hmm. Testament writers, lists of stuff that, that God is, 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 is pretty open about wanting to see us transformed in. There's some stuff on the list that we're like, wait, that, that I makes that, I do that all the time. Like, that's not, that's like, like things like envy and stuff like that, that just, we kind of are like, that's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, that's in the same list as like different, like things that were like, okay, that is a big deal. And we're like, Paul, can you not graduate the list? Is there not like a. Yeah. So these, so these rules these moral rules, um, that we would typically think of as trans. Like I follow the moral rules better. I'm transformed. I don't follow the moral rules well. I'm not transformed. Okay, if that's the framework, um, and and what you're suggesting is that's not the framework that we should have. So what is what is the role of those rules? Which we actually talked a little bit about in the previous Sunday's uh -huh. message when I preached. But what is the role of those rules then? Yeah, I mean, if I, they're not the definition of transformation. So, so I, I guess, like, I think what they allow you to do is you they allow you to see God's work in your heart over time because He'll lead you in those journeys if He's leading you. Like again, at the appropriate time. I remember Dallas Willard, who we quote a lot, I think, in our conversations, said like the work of transformation is visible by the surprising things that you no longer think about. Um, which was fascinating to me. There's such a great line, like the the just like, oh, I haven't thought about that for a while. That's really interesting to me. Like, and, and that that practice is is over time. I remember uh, reading a story about one lady who'd lived a life that was full of just, I mean, really just everything was centered around lies. And, and so this moment of starting to follow Jesus, and in the middle of a conversation across a table, her phone rings and she instantly grabs it and flips it upside down because her whole life has been based on, I can't let someone see who's calling me. I've got to keep this a secret. There are things there that nobody can know. And then this realization of, oh, I don't have to do that anymore. Like, I, I, that was a that was a. There's physical no way reaction. anyone that I don't, that I is calling me right now that's uh going to be an issue yeah 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 it's the, the the lies have stopped now the the reaction was still there but there's this moment of transformation that happened um so, so I, I think it's beautiful when you get to look at the things that god says like you know take envy this weird thing that i just mentioned this thing that the bible seems to talk about a fair amount um somewhere somewhere in our transformation and our experience of, of a love of jesus um, the love of Jesus and our love for Jesus is, huh, I'm actually pretty content with what I have. I don't need the, the latest car to feel like I'm satisfied. Don't need a bigger house anymore. I, I don't need the newest whatever. Pick yeah. your thing. S somewhere so, we get to see that transformation. So, so these, these rules, what we typically think of as these moral regulations that Christianity advocates for, are a means to an end. Mm, yeah. Yeah, Rather than being an end in themselves. And I remember this was like one of these huge, um, uh, maybe Holy Spirit moments in my own personal life. I remember I was in Bible college. I was in my senior year and I was close to graduation. And um, I'd still, I still had this moral list. And I literally thought of it mm. kind of like a checklist on things that I was working on yeah. in my life. 
And I remember I was walking home from class one day and I was praying f- through the list. Oh, how's my marriage? Did I spend enough time with my wife? Did I, um, did I prioritize my devotion time in the mornings mm. enough over school? And so like, did I get all those things in the right order? Because mm-hmm. it's not just that you're doing them, but they also have to be in the right order yeah, yeah. because it, God first and then family and yeah, then yeah. school and then work. That, that's the order that we should be. Mm-hmm. And so I had this like moral checklist that I was literally going through down and I felt like the spirit sort of nudged in my heart. Um, one of those moments where I felt like it was a more obvious moment. And, he, and, and Jesus sort of just asked this question uh, through the spirit, hey, Aaron, what happens when you finish the list? Yeah. And and what happens if you finish the list and you still don't know me mm. and love me mm-hmm. and love those yeah, around I mean, I you from you've... a deep, deep place? And then I was like, it's it was like, aha, the light yeah. bulb went on. Oh, it's not about the list. Like the list is a means to him. Yes. And if totally. it isn't that then who cares about and you the talk, list? You've, I've heard you talk about that before as like your like experience of grace, your like understanding, your felt understanding of grace and like this movement. To, and and it's interesting. People, the, oh, sorry, go ahead. A lot of people are familiar with like the seven deadly sins as, as a piece of language. Um, there's other writings on the seven virtues and Ben Franklin, good old famous, he's the guy with the kite, right? See the kite guy? I think so. I think, yeah. so. I think he's the light bulb guy. Um, he, he was famous for pursuing virtue, but and so, so he had a, a, a notebook where he would mark all the ways that he failed to live up to those virtues. Um, and at the end, like one of them is pride. And he, he writes like of all the virtues, pride is the most difficult to master. Um, were I ever to be able to, to, to be successful, um, then I would probably be pr- proud of my success. Like, like it just, like it just, uh, like as as a thing, like he wanted to be again. Yeah, he wanted to be unprideful. That that was his view of virtue, humility. Um, and yeah, he said, yeah, I, pride always gets to me. I can't do this thing. I can't, I can't master myself towards transformation. Yeah. Um, and so it seems like that's this place these disciples are in this series of like, oh, this just doesn't work. Um, like Peter, with all of his, no, Jesus, if everyone else leaves you, I never will, still did it. Still couldn't stick it out, still ran away. And it takes Jesus coming alongside him and saying, you know, Peter, it's okay. It's okay. I knew it. I knew I knew that's where you were going to end up. And I'm still here now. And I'm going to invite you back into the story. Does yeah. um, th- that like reliance on who Jesus is? That is that is crucial, and th- and that's why again, like to go back to the death resurrection. It seems like even in the midst of crucifixion and this forgiveness that it offers, we still need a living Jesus that enables us to journey with Him. Um, that's not actually possible. And thus, the Pente- Pentecost, uh-huh. right? Yeah, this promise of the Holy Spirit yeah. that that goes with us and nudges us and. I think the more critical question that we could ask ourselves rather than having this checklist is to say, am I trying to cultivate a conversational relationship with the living God? Which is, oh, wow. Yeah. And, and that, and that, if that's the case, 
then you're on the journey uh-huh. and then he'll nudge you on those moral lists and he'll tell you when the right pace is and all yeah. of those different things. And then it's a beautiful like exploration and journey and it's challenging and it's totally, mysterious yeah. and all of these types of things. But most importantly, are you in this relational um, journey with, well, I loved, with I God? Think, I think you just used the word conversational. And if you yes, didn't, I think that's I what you meant. And I had this fascinating conversation with my now seven year old when she was about four. Uh, we were sitting down, we were lying on her bed, praying together just before she went to bed. And Jeej has always been a bit more reflective. Like she's always just had these, like she, she'll ask these questions and she'll remember stuff. You're like, wow, I can't believe you remember that. Huh. And she said to me, she said like, as I'm, I'm about to walk out, she's like, daddy, why is it that we can talk to God, but he doesn't talk to us? And I was wow. like, wow. I was like, okay, um, well, he does, but we just have to learn to listen. And she's like, okay, I'm not letting you get away with that. How do you do that? And I'm like, okay, it's like 8.30. Like we're doing this at 8.30. Um, <laughs> so, so I said to her, I said, you know, next time you've said what you want to say to God, why don't you just say, God, is there anything you want to say to me? Um, and, and then it's learning to listen that somewhere there's this still small voice that speaks to us. And that's like a, that's a thing that nobody can teach you. You can only learn to do that by practice. And she's like, okay, I, I, I can do that. And that's that, that ongoing conversational relationship is, is just in any moment. Um, what, what, uh, what God, what God do you want to say in this moment? And funny little story, a a friend of mine was having dinner with a pastor and his wife is, is one of those people that very much just hears God speak. Uh, And the pastor that's having dinner with them, uh, relates, to them later, this story, I've been sat here over dinner uh, saying, God, you know, I'm, I'm meeting Charmaine for the first time. T- tell me something about her. Uh, and and God replied to him, uh, no, because I'm telling her all about you. <laughs> and this pastor actually reflected like this conversation, too, wow. which was just like, okay, I don't know what to do with that. But so maybe, maybe for some of you listeners out there, like we just, we just went into a category that you're like, ah. Yeah, it's I'm almost like so the pushing sure. people down and the falling on the floor. Wait, I'm not so sure about that. Um, and and the reason I pause us here with that, and we probably should wrap up the show yeah, pretty yeah, soon, sure, yeah. but the reason I pause us there is I know that um, I, I've encountered that a lot of times, even from like really well-trained, theologically astute, um, you know, master's degree mm-hmm. in Bible kind of folks who are like, wait, 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 God doesn't speak today except through the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Like that's his final word through it. He doesn't continually speak and stuff like that. So uh, we don't have time to get into all of that. But um, if that's a curiosity to you, let us know. Mm-hmm. And um, actually a few weeks ago, we actually had a, a conference here that Yvonne and some of her um, her her friends put on about hearing from God and yeah. um, there's uh, other classes and opportunities and stuff like that. And we, and, and Alex will talk about some of those things in, th- sporadically throughout sermons um, and things like that. So, but if it's a curiosity to do, that is something that we do uh, believe that mm. God is still speaking. Yeah. And I, the reason I stop on this one is because I was reflecting on our conversation um, over the last several weeks related to this series. And I think some of the things that we've said uh, either live, they kind of live and die on that potential mm, reality. Yeah. Even our whole conversation today about this idea of the, these rules and regulations 
are a means to an end. And what's more important is that you have this conversational relationship with God. <coughs> if the conversational relationship with God isn't a thing, then all we're left with is a list of rules, a, a list of rules and regulations that we've got to figure out how to get the right formula uh, mm. right. Cause that's the only thing we really have. Mm. Um, anyway, so I think it's kind of Im important to sort of wrestle with that a little bit and we don't mm. have time for that. So <laughs> we sorry. don't, but we'll, I mean, again, it's, it's that I think as we, we get through this series, what we see is there's one, a lot of similarities, not physical similarities, maybe because we're not fishermen. We're not, um, any of the people that lived in the new Testament so different in so much of our life. But in terms of like where where you might use the language, like where our heart is or something like that, where our struggle is, where our tension points are, we're a lot like a lot of the people we'll look at over the next few weeks. Uh, Thomas totally. is one who's like, do you know what, Jesus? I really believed in you uh, and I can't, I can't do it again. Um, you let me down once. I'm not, I'm not ready to throw, like I put a load of money in the table. I lost big. I'm not doing that again. Peter, like I, I failed and I was miserably awful and I don't believe in myself anymore. I don't believe you could do something with someone like me. Like even Mary that we'll look at this week, like Mary is an interesting one because she seems almost the most still together of all of them, still faithful of all of them. But even her, some of the interplays around like, you know, what's her story going to look like? Um, th there's just like a, a fascinating uh, group of people that we are pretty similar to. Uh, and that the things that Jesus says to them, he might whisper to our own hearts, yeah. which is an encouraging thing. Yeah. And if so if you're out there and you heard Alex's message or if you didn't and you just stumbled across this podcast somehow or this uh, YouTube guys. or this YouTube yeah, video, <laughs> exactly. Um, and you're like, yeah, I don't know if I believe resurrection. I still am struggling to think, like I, I believe and I don't believe, or I don't believe at all. I love it. Okay, that's fine. But that doesn't mean you, you can't explore the implications of it. And I think that that's, there's the invitation of, of resurrection is to continue to explore who was this Jesus, why, is it that even secular sociologists and historians uh, believe that Jesus of Nazareth and his followers who believed that he rose again have changed the course of, mm. of the Western world especially, but the entire world more than any mm. other yeah. figure in the history of the planet? Yeah. You still, it would be beneficial for you to explore who this guy was yeah. and who his followers were and deal with those sorts of things because they they were onto something. Yeah, I was chatting to someone the other day and, and they're just in the process of exploring faith a little bit. And, and I, I said, like, you know, one of the things that, again, I'm going to quote Dallas Willard twice in the same episode, which isn't that unusual for us. But, but it, it's the idea of like, you might think it's weird. Someone would choose to follow Jesus. And the question might be, well, who else would you suggest? Um, because it can't be me because I'm the problem. Like I don't have the the mm. perception, the compass. If I follow me, that's where I get into a real mess. I need someone to follow. And and again, like even if that's your starting point before resurrection, uh, before crucifixion into resurrection, taking the teachings of Jesus and saying, huh, what do I think about this as a framework for life? But again, there's more beyond that as well. So totally, yeah, totally. We'll we'll wrap up our show there. Um, 
couple notes. Again, we're on Apple Podcasts. We'd love you for, for you to subscribe on there if you can. Um, we're and also to do on a, a couple, rating if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, or on Spotify and a couple of those other podcast platforms. If Give you're on a, PG Tips, uh, <laughs> if, you, if you work for them, just let us know you're there by changing the box to PG Tips Believes in Resurrection. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and then, yeah, come back for this series or uh, listen to that if you're not local or whatever. Uh, listen to that and see some of the implications mm-hmm. of the resurrection. If you are if you are curious about that whole idea of hearing God, uh, Dallas Willard plug again. Um, mm-hmm. it, a, a great book maybe to start with, especially if you're sort of more in that headspace and you're like, I don't know, philosophically how that all works and stuff. He was a... He was a philosopher at a secular university. So that was his primary vocation Mm -hmm. was he was a philosopher before he was a theologian or Bible teacher or anything like that. He has a book called Hearing God, um, Cultivating Conversational Relationship, Mm. I think, with God. It's probably on your shelf somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. But it's a great uh, starting point. There's other books out there if you want to explore what that, that means. Otherwise, drop comments, questions, all the things. And yeah. Love it. I think that's it. Have a great week. All right. Catch y'all later. Well, thanks again for listening. And we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this. So feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing. And we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.